Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Molly, join us in a moment. The old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, certainly is true when it comes to wood floors. Neglected floors soon become so shabby and unattractive that they have to be refinished. And you probably know how much trouble and how expensive it is. But now that the Johnson Electric Floor Polisher is again available, you can have far lovelier floors with far less work. You can forever eliminate the bother and expense of refinishing your floors. All you do is flick the switch of the Johnson Electric Floor Polisher and then just guide it around the room. Why, you can polish every floor in your home in a fraction of the usual time. So plan now to care for your floors the modern, inexpensive way with the Johnson Electric Floor Polisher. For $44.50, you can have one of your own. Or you can rent one by the day from your neighborhood dealer. Remember, Johnson's Paste Wax to save your floors and the Johnson Electric Floor Polisher to save you work. They're the perfect combination to bring out the beauty of your home. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of the home. The city is installing a new fire alarm box on the corner near the McGee residence. Most people would not consider this a particularly thrilling event, but as the old saying goes, simple pleasures for simple folks. And here is one of Wistful Vista's simpler folks telling his wife about it. As we meet, Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, sir, the minute I seen this guy installing this fire alarm box on our corner, I walks right up to him. Look, bud, I says, in a refined way, I says. Put that fire alarm box someplace else, I says. This is a quiet neighborhood, I says, and we don't want fire engines dashing through here all hours of the day and night. Did he put up much of an argument? Well, yes. But just between you and me, kiddo, a guy walking towards you with a dirty look in his eye and 12 inches of hot soldering iron don't really need much of an argument. <laughs> After all, maybe a fire alarm box on our corner won't be so bad. Might be all right. Good As idea. a matter of fact, dearie, the only thing I object to about them is their color. That bright red is so conspicuous. Well, they have to paint them red. If they paint them green, everybody tries to mail letters in them. <laughs> no, the color don't bother me. It, it's, it's the responsibility. What responsibility? Well, my gosh, in case there's a fire in the neighborhood, who's the logical guy to run to the corner and pull the alarm? I am. Because who's the air raid warden in this block during the war and still has my armband and helmet and gas mask? Me. <laughs> and furthermore, you smell something burning? No. Me either. <laughs> Now, don't you be in too much of a hurry to use the new alarm box, theory. The police take a dim view of people turning in false alarms. Who's turning in any false alarms? My gosh, I know better than that. What do you think I am, an arsenic or something? <laughs> the word is arsonist, theory. Arson is the crime of setting fire. I thought arson was turning in false alarms about an invasion from Mars. No. No, that was arson. Oh, yes. <laughs> What did I say wrong in the first place? Well, you said arsenic, and that's poison. Yeah? What do you think a firebug is, a tonic? (laughs) 
Anyway, don't worry about me, kiddo. I got too much sense of responsibility to... Come in. Oh, hello there, Mr. Wimple. McGee, it's Mr. Wimple. It is? Oh, hi, Wimp, old man. Hello, folks. <laughs> Heard the good news, Mr. Wimple? Yes. Isn't it wonderful? It's only costing me $300. 300 bucks to install a fire alarm box? Fire alarm box? Yeah. I don't know anything about a fire alarm box. Huh? Mrs. McGee asked me if I'd heard the wonderful news, and I said yes, because I thought she meant about Sweetie Face going to Indiana. Oh, oh, Sweetie Face, that... That's my big old wife, yeah. <laughs> so Sweetie Face is going away for a while, eh? Yes. I just took her down to the railroad station. See? Here's her ticket. <laughs> well, heavenly days, did you forget to give her the ticket? <laughs> Only her return ticket. <laughs> Probably won't keep you from coming back, but every little delay helps. <laughs> Your wife got friends in Indiana, Wimp? No. Or anywhere else that I know of. <laughs> oh, uh, this is a business trip, then? Yes. She was invited to the police chief's convention in Indianapolis to give a jiu-jitsu demonstration. Oh. <laughs> she thinks. <laughs> you mean it was a phony invitation? Yes. <laughs> just goes to show that I have friends in Indiana anyway. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What'll she do when she comes back and finds out what you did, Mr. Wimple? Nothing. Nothing? Nope. The day she gets back, I start for Indiana. <laughs> well, let's forget about Sweetie Face for a minute. Yes, let's. I just wanted to tell you we got a new fire alarm box on our corner, Wimp. You hear about any fires, you just call me up and I'll rush down and pull the box. I'm the logical... You smell something burning? No. No. Me either. <laughs> As I say, Wimp, any time you have a little fire, just trot over here and tell me. I'll turn it in for you. Oh, good. I'm dreadfully afraid of fire anyway. Oh, are you, Mr. Wimple? Have a bad experience with fire, did you? Yes. I met Sweetie Face at a fire. Oh. At the Boy Scout show. Yeah? I was a scoutmaster then and was showing my troop how to jump from a burning building into a net. Pretty dangerous stuff, Wimp. Oh, you're so right, Mr. McGee. The very first time I jumped, I bounced out of the net and Sweetie Face caught me. Oh. <sighs> I just didn't know how well off I was in that burning building. <laughs> well, I'll let you know if I have a fire, Mr. McGee. Goodbye now. So long. <laughs> Billy Mills in the orchestra and that feathery feeling.
Molly, I've just been out on the back porch again, sniffing around. I couldn't smell anything burning. But the minute I do, I'll be down at that alarm box like a cat. Sweetheart. Huh? My mother used to tell me that no marriage was really a success until love ripened into friendship. That's right. Ours has. Mm-hmm. But don't strain it. <laughs> you just keep your chubby little hands off of that fire alarm box, because oh. outside of that... Come in. Oh, it's Mr. Williams, the weatherman, McGee. Hello, Mr. Williams. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi, Fog. A lovely weather we've been having, if you'll pardon my mentioning it. You guys at the Weather Bureau get pretty smug about a spell of good weather, Foggy. I'd like to inform you that this good weather is partly my doing. How do you figure that, McGee? A good question. Look, you see that barometer on the wall there? Yes. You see the little brass knob in the middle of it so you can set the movable hand? Yes. Well, I've had that hand set to fair and warmer for three weeks. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, well, Chuck, forget it. I'm glad to help. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody cooperated like that, Mr. Williams? Yeah, yes. Reminds me of a weather station I once helped to install near Petoskey, Michigan. Oh, that's just south of Mackinac, ain't it? Up there, they call it Mackinac. Oh, yes. Yes, we drove up there once with friends in their catalog. (laughs) So what happened up there, Fog? Well, we were compiling data on the weather in the Lake Superior region and had established a weather station in an abandoned lumber camp. Yes? And one day, waters started coming into my tent. Rainwaters or river waters? Herman waters are cooked. Oh. (laughs) He uh, he came into the tent waving a cleaver. Immediately, I saw red. Angry, hmm? No, no. I mean, I saw Red Murphy, one of our construction men. He was feeling pretty rocky at the time. Well, I should think he would with all that excitement going on. You should think he would what? Feel kind of rocky. It wasn't kind of rocky. It was pretty rocky. Hmm? Pretty rocky was our pet bull terrier. Oh. He used to feel him every morning to see if he had any foxtails in his ears. Well. (laughs) As he was feeling pretty rocky, the cook went out again and left in a tizzy. In a dizzy. Yes. Yes. That's what we called our old Model T. The Lynn Tizzy. Because it ran best backwards. (laughs) Anyway, after he'd left in the tizzy, I sat down to dinner and ate heartily. Uh, I suppose hardly was a rabbit you'd been saving for an emergency. I'm beginning to catch on to this, you see. (laughs) I beg your pardon. Oh, Mr. Williams, you said you ate heartily. What was heartily, a rabbit or a chicken? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there must be some misunderstanding here. Eating heartily is an old expression meaning to dine well or thoroughly. <clears throat> <laughs> Look, Foggy, as long as you're leaving now... May I ask you one question? Certainly. Why is it that when you come in here, you never close the door? Come to think of it, Mr. Williams, you never do. Why is that? I am a weatherman, Mrs. McGee, and a weatherman always leaves himself a way out. This, uh, this is the way out, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yes, yes of course it is. Good day, probably. <laughs> My gosh, I forgot to tell Foggy about the new fire alarm box. Oh, he'll find it. I don't want him to find it. If there's any alarms to be turned in around here, I'm the guy that's supposed to... Hello, Molly. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Say, pal, you free for luncheon tomorrow? That all depends, Omaha. (laughs) But 
It's one of them businessmen's barbecues where everybody's busy tying their shoe when the check comes around except me because I'm wearing moccasins. No, I ain't free. What's the occasion, Mr. Wilcox? Well, a few men around town are getting together in the interest of boys' clubs. You ever have any thoughts on clubs for boys? Yes, and I'm against them. Hickory switch or a hairbrush now and then, but clubs, no. Oh, that isn't what I meant, pal. We're discussing membership clubs for boys and clubhouses for them, recreational facilities and all that. I think that's a wonderful idea, Mr. Oh, Al. yeah, I'm interested in that, Junior. I'll go, but I can't stay long. I'm responsible for all the fires in this neighborhood now, you know. How's that again? I says I'm responsible for all the fires in this neighborhood. That's quite a responsibility. Yeah, I can see how it would be. Sure. Can't you hide his matches, Molly? Well, he doesn't mean he sets fires, Mr. Wilcox, but... There's a new fire alarm box down at the corner, and himself here has appointed himself marshal. Yes, sir, and it's a job that requires alertness and integrity and... You smell anything burning? No. No. Me either. <laughs> well, anyway, you can see how I feel about this responsibility, Omaha. Certainly. I'm in much the same position. What do you mean, Mr. Wilcox? Well, I mean it's my business to protect homes, oh, too, but not against fire. I sell Johnson's wax, which protects against scratches, fingerprints, and mars, dust, and dirt, and damage. Yeah, but that ain't exactly what we... You see, good housekeepers are practically unanimous about Johnson's wax. On account of the way it simplifies housekeeping and gives their homes that air of gleaming hospitality and shining cleanliness. McGee thought that in case of an alarm, why... There isn't any cause for alarm when your precious things are guarded against the elements with Johnson's wax. Yeah, but we were... Your fine woodwork, floors, furniture, picture frames, luggage, lampshades, windowsills. We were talking about fire. And if fire remains... Correctly. Oh. The number of smart housewives who use Johnson's wax is Waxing. growing every... Or, uh, pardon me, Mr. Waxy. <laughs> yes, Molly. Look, Junior, about this luncheon tomorrow, what's your interest in this boys' club stuff? Oh, didn't you know? What's part of the Boys' Clubs of America campaign against juvenile delinquency? Oh? I'm a volunteer deputy probation officer. And you could be one, too. Oh, no, not me, boy. I'm no snooper. You don't catch me peeking in windows and sniffing around people's basements. What are you talking about, pal? We don't do anything like that. I huh? should say not. Probation officers do splendid work, McGee. Probation? Oh, my gosh. I thought he said prohibition. <laughs> I'll be there, Omaha. Well, just ask my cousin, big delinquent Wilcox, about your reservation. <laughs> so long, Molly. So long. You know, I can just see Mr. Wilcox, if his house ever catches fire, getting his Johnson's wax out of the house and then going back after his wife. Yeah. yeah, he reminds me of the way my pop used to be about a job he had when me and him worked at the popcorn works in Peoria. McGee, you never told me about working at the popcorn works. I never mentioned the job pop and I had at the Peoria Pop and Popcorn plant. You never did. Well, boy, I will. You see, Pop was head popcorn popper at the Peoria Pop and Popcorn plant, and I used to love to watch Pop Pop Popcorn. Because Pop was a pip with a popcorn popper, and the popcorn he popped was popcorn plus. I worked over in the pop department myself, see, and every afternoon I'd pop into the popcorn department with a pitcher full of pop for Pop. And we'd sit there popping popcorn by the popper pole, poking it into our pusses and pushing it down with a pitcher of pop, so Pop and I were almost pooped from the pop. Popping the popcorn, pouring the pop, poking the popcorn, pushing the pop, poking the pit and the popcorn down. Whoa! Thank goodness. Oh, it's Dr. Gamble, McGee. Hello, doctor. Come right in. Thank you, my dear. And good day to you, Marblehead. Hi, store chaser. How's everything down at the swab shop these days? 
<laughs> Everything is status quo, thank you. Status quo, Doctor? Yes, that's a Latin expression meaning leave the patient lay there till we look it up in the book. <laughs> we always try... What are you peeking out the window for, Crumble Skull? You neighbors moving in with a better lawnmower than yours? No, and Foggy Williams' lawnmower is good enough for me. I'm just keeping an eye on that new fire alarm box down on the corner, Doc. You see, in case a fire starts, I'm the logical guy in this neighborhood to turn Listen, in the alarm. Listen, fingers. Huh? During the past month, I have taken care of four different firemen who were badly injured while answering false alarms. Yeah, but what that... If I ever hear of you sticking one grimy little knuckle into an alarm box without a $40 million blaze in a dynamite factory within nine feet of you, I'll personally look you up, lock you up, and experiment with a few new surgical techniques I've wanted to try out. (laughs) Understand? I think you made yourself quite clear, Doctor. Listen here, you barrel-bottomed cow-town killed air. <laughs> Before you start yamming at anybody for not having any responsibility, you better take a look at your own conscientious. <laughs> any supposedly reputable physician who has to operate in disguise ain't to be trusted. In disguise? You heard me. I've seen you coming out of that operating room at the hospital with a mask over your face. <laughs> You're no fool, boy. Six doctors standing around an unconscious patient, and not even the nurses know which one is which. Now, don't be silly, McGee. They have to wear masks and gowns for antiseptic reasons. Don't, don't explain it to him, Molly. He's the type who cures warts with stump water and braided horsehair. Oh, yeah. Shows what you know about medicine, you big pony. Stump water's no good for warts. That's for curing rheumatism. (laughs) (laughs) For taking off warts. Oh, you taking off warts? Yes, I have a tonsillectomy coming up. Oh. Looks like a difficult case. Oh, I thought removing tonsils was a rather routine operation, Doctor. Well, it is ordinarily. But this patient is just over here from Russia, and I can't convince him it's safe to open his mouth. Go on, sir. <laughs> the King's Man and the Fireman's Bride. Fireman Charlie McGee, who married in June, wants to be free. He bought a handsome love nest, but his high-flying spouse likes the firehouse. She wears a crimson skirt, a fireman's hat, a red flannel shirt. Wee! Clang goes a bell, and she's off, boys, in a cloud of confusion and thirst. Come on, boys, there's a bar. Roaring around over time at the fire. 
Now, Molly, just take a look out this window here. That little fire alarm box looks mighty solid sitting there guarding this neighborhood. Now, for goodness sakes, you get your mind off of that alarm box. I don't want anything to do with that. Oh, that's a wrong attitude, kiddo. Everybody ought to know about fire alarms. Here, you know what we ought to do? Come on down to the corner with me. Let me show you what to do in case of an emergency. Oh, I don't think I... Come on, Molly, you ought to know these things. My gosh. You're liable to get a call from somebody up the block sometime that a fire is busted out, and when that happens, you just run down here at this corner. Oh, see? wait a minute, and, dearie. Here hmm? comes the old-timer. Hello, Mr. Old-timer. Hello there, kids! <laughs> Hi, old-timer. Hey, have you seen it yet? Johnny, these tired old eyes have saw everything. I've saw generals run for president and the president run for the generals. I gave Admiral Peary a boost when he shinnied up the North Pole. I unbuttoned Napoleon's coat when he got his hand caught in it. I was right there when Livingston was finally found by Jack Benny. I've saw pretty ankles getting on stagecoaches, cotton stockings getting on horse cars, dimpled knees getting on buses, and just yesterday a girl showed her ankle again climbing into a constellation. Have I seen what, Johnny? This new fire alarm box right here on the corner. Anytime you have a fire at your place, just give me a ring and I'll run down here and turn in the alarm. He's just appointed himself official fire watcher for this block, Mr. Oldtimer. Is that so? Yeah. Well, that's a very interesting hobby. I used to love to watch fires myself when I was a kid, kids. When you were a kid, kids, fire hadn't even been invented yet. Oh, that's so, Johnny. I remember one night I was sleeping and somebody bellered fire and I leapt out of bed, yanked a pair of pants on, dashed out the door and run clean down to the stockyards, bow-legged. My gosh, why'd you run bow-legged? The pants I had on was Papa's coat, Johnny. (laughs) And to top it all off, by the time I got to the fire, it was out. Where was the fire? Our house. Seltzer, daughter. <laughs> Seltzer, eh? That's pretty quick thinking, all right. Yeah, if you would have put it out sooner, too, only you kept stopping to throw a twist of lemon peel into it. <laughs> the whole thing upset Mama pretty bad. I should think it would upset her. Yep, in the excitement, the folding bed slammed shut with her in it. <laughs> Nobody missed her till time for breakfast. Then we pulled the bed down, and there was Mama, sound asleep, standing on her head. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Your mother must have been a pretty headstrong woman. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good, Johnny, but that ain't the way I hear it. Well, I hear it one fellow says to tell the fellow, say, he says, Did he wear Dewey through his hat in the ring in Wisconsin? No, says to the fellow, what happened? Well, says the first fellow, they picked it up, dusted it off, and handed it back to him. (laughs) I'll call you if my jokes get any hotter, Johnny. (laughs) Come on. Hey, 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 what's the door slam for? We're standing out here on the corner. Oh, I'm sorry. That's better. Now, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. In case of a fire, here's all you do, Tootsie. You run down here at this little box, see, and you yank this door open, see? Is that all? No, then you reach in here where this little hook is, you see, and you yank it down like this. Oh, no, don't. Now, what's your mean? I'm just showing you how in case of an emergency... Oh, my gosh. I did it. You did it. I turned an alarm. Oh, I didn't mean to, Molly. I was just showing you how... Oh, what are we going to do? Now, 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 huh? now. You better call the fire department on the phone. Oh. Tell them it was a mistake. Tell them that you... Yeah, didn't... that's what I'll do. I'll call... Oh, oh, already? Fire Listen. Listen. Now what? Oh, brother, am I in trouble. And after all Doc said about it. 
If those guys come out here and after me turn in that alarm, something, something better be burning. Hey, Molly, is our house on fire by any stroke of luck? Heavenly days, no. What a thought. Well, there's just one thing to do then. I got some matches. Come on, kiddo. I got another match. This doggone thing don't want to burn. Oh, dear, I feel terribly guilty, McGee. What do you mean, guilty? I got a right to set fire to my own rubbish pile in my own backyard, haven't I? Or get 40 years in the pokey for accidentally turning in a false alarm, haven't I? Well, can't you just explain to the fireman that it was a mistake? With the reputation I got around this town? <laughs> Nobody'd believe me in a minute. Ah, now she started. Now it's burning. Ah, that's just that. Oh, dear, here they yes. come, McGee. Up the alley. Well, let them come, kiddo. This is a fire. I'm legal. They can't fit anything. Yeah. Well, you got a little blaze, have you, mister? Yeah. Lucky we happen to be passing, saw the smoke. Yes, uh, we turned in the alarm. It took you guys long enough to get here, too. My gosh, if my house was... Hey, what do you mean you happen to be passing? I turned in the alarm right down at the corner. At the corner? You mean that box we just put in? That's the one. Oh, that box isn't connected yet, ma'am. Isn't connected yet? You mean... No, Mike and I are just cruising around selling tickets for the fireman's benefit dance Saturday uh-huh. night. <laughs> Five bucks a couple. How many do you want? <laughs> How many you got with you? Well... Well, uh, we'll take them. Yeah. We'll... River and Molly return in a moment. Car owners, listen to this amazing offer. A handy, soft, fleecy woolen car dusting mitt of 49 cent value is yours at no extra cost. It's the perfect mitt for wiping off road dust. It makes it easy for you to keep your car looking the way you want it to look. Here's all you do to get this car dusting mitt that fits your hand so perfectly. Just buy a can of Johnson's Car New, the amazing car polish that cleans and shines in one easy operation. The handy dusting mitt is attached right to the can. There's no extra charge, nothing to mail in. Once you've used it, you'll say it's the perfect polishing aid. You can keep that showroom car new shine sparkling and spotless and keep your hands clean at the same time. The ladies say it's the perfect mitt for household dusting. So better get an extra one for the lady of the house. Remember now, ask your dealer for a can of amazing Johnson's Car New. Your handy dusting mitt will be attached to the can. There's no extra charge. The mitt is yours with a can of Johnson's Car New. Ladies and gentlemen, next Thursday, Fibber and Molly will be in Collegeville, Indiana to receive honorary LLD degrees from St. Joseph's College. This is in recognition of the consistent acceptability of their radio material in your homes, as shown by the nationwide radio acceptance poll of college students. Molly, I'd like to congratulate you on your success. And, pal, same to you. Thanks, Junior. We may not be a complete success, but we're getting there. By degree. Yeah. Good night, all. Makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racing Wisconsin, bring you Phil McGee and Molly each week at this time. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. This is WMAQ NBC in Chicago.